This episode of The Table is brought to you by Health Warrior. Health Warrior is a superfood company headquartered right here in Richmond, Virginia. Health Warrior believes that better health will build a stronger society, and better health starts with the right ingredients, which is why the first one of all of their products is a superfood from the most nourishing food on the planet, chia seeds. Check out their world-famous chia bars, which are available at Whole Foods, Wegmans, Kroger, Target, and Elwood Thompson, and also online nationwide. On this episode of The Table. An adage, an old adage with uh, visual artists, like once you're done, it's not yours anymore. You know, it's like, okay, I'm done with this beautiful painting. It's not mine anymore. Here's what I think it means. But if someone else goes to a museum and thinks something else, that's their prerogative. It's sort of like you're creating a monster if you poke the bear a little bit on social media, knowing that a total stranger might call me and ask your name because I think such and such should happen in the monuments. The voice you just heard was Bo Cribs as he was talking about social media, and that's what this episode is about, the power of social media and how it applies to Richmond. We have an excellent panel of guests for this episode, so make sure you listen, make sure you share, and you can also subscribe to the Cheats Movement podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes, on SoundCloud, and we're now available on Stitcher as well. So please go to those platforms, subscribe, leave a comment. I love the comments and enjoy the dialogue that we present in this episode of The Table. We see you. What's good, everyone? This is Cheats, and welcome to The Table. In today's climate, social media is king. Social media can launch global revolutions, create and spread the latest charitable challenge, and even make a lasting imprint on something as big as, say, the presidential election. Platforms like Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter can have you at odds with your very best friend, expose cheating spouses, and break major announcements like, we're getting married or we're having a baby. Social media can help organize relief efforts like the ones we've recently seen in Texas, the Virgin Islands, Puerto Rico, and Mexico and can encourage healing in the midst of tragedy like we've seen close to home in Charlottesville, and I'm sure which we'll see in the coming days and months from Las Vegas. Today, we are more connected than ever, but is that a good thing? Along with the good comes the bad, and and in some cases, the ugly. We see the best in our communities, and we see the worst, whether it's along the lines of racial division, class, economic status, or gender. In Richmond, We've seen some social media dust-ups, haven't we? From videos highlighting historically black neighborhoods with no black people in them, (laughs) to the discussion over Confederate monuments. Like the nation, Richmond has seen their share of good and bad on social media within our own community. At the table, I'm joined today by some of Richmond's community leaders to talk about the power of social media, the good, the bad, the ugly, and how it's playing a role in Richmond today. We do have one disclaimer. The amazing group of people we have are all full-grown adults. I say that because my niece is 12 and uses social media as much as anyone I've ever met. (laughs) However, they use it completely differently. This is not the place to find what your kid's doing on Instagram. But this is our discussion about the power of social media. Social media is is one of the fastest changing industries, and yet it impacts our daily lives. I'd like to welcome to the table Bo, Sarah, Judy, Anthony, Chelsea, Jordan, and Robin. Welcome, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. This is going to be fun. This yes. is going to be fun. Yes. I'm going to start with my good buddy, Judy, who I know has been looking and kind of researching social media for a long time and seeing how it's played in our daily lives and in Richmond. And the first question I always wonder, and I always ask people this, but do you think social media as it stands right now Is it the shaper of our kind of community, or is it a reflection of the community we already have? Well, you added that as it stands right now part. So that's a little bit of a qualifier, because I think the answer to that question has really changed, right? So, and people can chime in. I think the answer is both. It both shapes it some, and then it reflects it a lot. 
But my opinion is that would probably have been flipped several years ago. So when social media was first gaining steam, and particularly maybe here in Richmond, a smaller community where we were kind of banding together to figure it out, to promote each other's causes, to promote each other's businesses, to get events going. It was much more of a shaper, but then also a place where it reflected what we were up to and what we felt. But then as the platforms matured, we figured out the tools, everybody else figured out the tools. Um, and then of course in the last year and a half, when the whole national discourse has sort of changed and things have been amped up, that equation is kind of flipped. So now it's much more of a reflection of the community, both here locally and nationally, because uh, it's kind of opened up a floodgate for people to be able to not just say what they think, but also give permission for people to maybe things that they never would have said before. Now here is the blank page where it's okay to say them and all now, of a sudden. And now people that you wouldn't normally hear are able to say and have voices. They have all you need is a cell phone or going to a computer. And so people's voices are now shaping these ideas, people's reflections that usually don't get shown or really demonstrated in other media are now being seen, which is really awesome. So, yeah, so it does both, but I think it definitely is more, you know, it's, it's more of a reflection of everything that's out there, but it can occasionally shape the community. It can occasionally shape action, positive and negative. Um, it can occasionally, you know, shape change for good and for bad. It can occasionally be news in of itself um, and all those things are sh shapers instead of reflections. So I think there's some of each in there. But let me ask you, yeah. uh, and as we go, as we look at kind of this landscape of sh social media and how it applies to Richmond, do you think that the social media you see kind of accurately reflects the climate of Richmond or is it uh, a little bit of embellishment, if you will? Well, I think the operative phrase in that sentence is the social media I see because it's, it's different for everybody. It's used in different ways. I think it's mostly an echo chamber. I think it's mostly a reflection on what you already, what, what your worldview are already is. That's just my, I have no data to back that up, but I, I just think that's what it's turned into. People reading things that they want to read. It's a very curated uh, information stream to your brain and you're curating what you want people to see on the other end. So, I mean, I think it's it's a reflection of, um, I don't know, I think I, I think people, people put up on social media exactly what they want people to see. And I think in terms of getting information or getting news or getting um, opinion pieces about things happening in Richmond or nationally, internationally, I think it's mostly in the eye of the beholder. It's mostly in, you know, you get out of it whatever you want to get out of it, which is kind of the blessing and the curse of social media. That's a good question. Anthony, do you think, as, as kind of Bo was saying, do people, do you think people kind of operate in their silos? I know I see a lot of comments and feedback and things on social media, whether I'm following kind of businesses, media, I see mm -hmm. a lot. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, Bo's exactly right. If I don't like what I see, I can unfree you. Yeah. I can cut you Change off. Or I can you. So yeah. do you think that it's a, it's kind of an, a reflection of curatedness, uh, curated of what people see or how they're close to their community? Yeah. What do you think? How, how do people... I think definitely coming... I, I try to stay on top of uh, businesses and how how marketers and businesses are using their social media. And I think there is a little bit of tunnel vision in that. Um, I think I see Richmond as kind of being a little schizophrenic. And I think the answer that you gave at the beginning kind of speaks to that. I think there's a little bit of both going on. I think there is a lot of shaping going on and people like to see that shape. And, and watch that shape with the way uh, Richmond has kind of 
escalated on a national scene, um, maybe over like the past three years. But then you have this other side of social media, media where people are reflecting and they're like, hold on, wait a minute. Yes, we've got nice rapids. We've got nice hotels coming, but there's still this poverty situation that we've got to work out. There's still this school situation that we have to work out. So there, it's like these two pieces that are coming together. And so some people choose to only stay in that one tunnel, but I think a lot of us now are choosing to have more of that well-rounded um, look at least. Um, of what's really going on in Richmond. Not to say that people are really commenting on everything, mm -hmm. but I think people are trying to see Richmond as a whole um, because people are getting more louder about different things going on in Richmond. Um, but I definitely think at, at the end of the day, that tunnel situation is going on because people want to get on social media to basically unwind mm -hmm. and check out a little bit so they're going to go to what feels best for them right I think it's also by design so mm -hmm. Facebook and Instagram algorithm is not something you or anybody in this room can understand it's it exists Nobody knows about it. Nobody can make sense out of it. We just operate based on it. So the tunnel vision or echo chamber that you were talking about gets created by design. So I'm not sure if I'm the first one, but when the election result was announced, it was it was such a wake up call to me because from what I was seeing in my personal social media up until to that to that time. I was sure the result was going to be another. Right, there's no way. No way, right? right? Because it's, it's part human factor where you naturally have friends and peers and people you respect that you value. Mm -hmm. So when you like those uh, content that curates that content for you based on this secret algorithm that Facebook has figured out for you. So you only see what you like to see. Right? So you don't get to see the other side of view if you're not actively looking for it. I'm not even sure if it works that way, if you're mm -hmm. actively looking for it, if that changes all that much. So there's a human factor of who you are. And then there is a science factor of how they, they are designed. It's by design. So we are playing on that platform. And not everybody's thinking about the downside. I certainly, I'm a professional mm -hmm. marketer, and I certainly did not think about it when the election result came out. It was the biggest wake-up call to me. Let me bring Rob in here and ask, in regards to the social media, you use social media for a number of things. The social media that you see, uh, do you think it accurately, accurately reflects Richmond? You know, I don't. Um, if you want to talk about the economic power base of Richmond, There's all of us are seated here in Scott's Edition, midweek in a gorgeous you know, corporate loft space, very with it. Thanks to our sponsors, Health Warrior. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're, you know, we're a multi-chromatic bunch. We know each other on social media. We see it, as you know. We do. Um, <laughs> but if I were to walk you to the Commonwealth Club or the CCB, the Country Club of Virginia, where the Fortune 500 power base is, those, those executives don't tweet. They don't care what we're saying on, on Twitter. I mean, they have a social media manager tipping them off to it. Um, so I, I think to, to me it's indicative of this kind of emerging Richmond. I'm so flattered and happy that I've met actual real life human beings over Twitter. I mean, do you remember Sarah? <laughs> Once I bumped into Karina's and you're like, hi, I'm Sarah. I was like, what, two gutsy girls? You know, hands up. <laughs> and that's work. And then both think about the people you've had on your, yeah. you know, on your show that I met there that I knew from the handles. Originally, you know, Judy, we met over social media. Cheats, it's the same sure. thing right yeah. now. And I love uh, turning people from avatars into kind of real empathic human beings. You can see the whites of their eyes and want to go to their toy shop, you know? Um, but I think it's really problematic in this town. We almost live in a, a I don't want to say social media bubble, it's a cliche. If you think it's indicative of the true power of Richmond, I mean, it's got a long way to go. There are a lot of people here who do not dare speak their honest opinions over social media. It's heavily uh, regulated by compliance people, by PR people. We have seen a couple times, like if you bring Sam Willis into this conversation where some business leaders have stepped out and they stepped in it mm -hmm. and they, they pleaded for forgiveness. You know, <laughs> with the, you know the one, one haberdasher owner uh, you know, out on the West End was mm -hmm. saying you people should go back and everything. 
everybody, you know, Facebook is permanent. People screen grab is like, what do you mean, you people? Mm. Next thing he knows, he's like crying at Richmond's <laughs> office, begging for forgiveness, swears off this thing. Another person, Halloween, dresses in blackface, gets excoriated on social media. The, the, the um, what is it, the, the UK, The Guardian has his article up within seven hours. I mean, it ceases to be a, a Jackson Ward and oh, he's you know, musical director of a restaurant here thing. It's an international story. So, you know, in, in closing, I'm just fascinated kind of how this, this emerging world, us kind of knocks on the establishment. But let's, let's, let's bring that up and let's stay there because in Richmond, we have seen on social media national stories basically of businesses, individuals, companies doing things that are completely, uh, we would, so, so for the, I would say for the person that's just basically focused on human decency, right? We have seen things that have been exposed that we would say are just not decent. And then what we've seen in follow-up, because that's the one thing that people always forget about Jordan, is it's not, oftentimes it's not the actual act right you can make a mistake and apologize for it but it's the people that go on social media and are entrenched in either defending this mistake not apologizing refuse the best one i've heard to date is refusing to be bullied on social media into ways of people think you know into this group thing right of PC world and all these things. So in Richmond, we've had a number of incidences recently, and unfortunately, they a lot of them have gone in two directions. They've gone in racial division and they've gone in socio and economic problems. Right? It's either between. Well, that's because and that's the exact division that exists in Could Richmond. <laughs> and I, I think Robin yeah. was spot on. I mean, to some extent, that the economic power base that those are the divisions of Richmond. And I don't think social media has changed that one bit. So to that extent, it does not reflect because um, the, the power base and the people who still believe in those divisions, who still live those divisions every day, who still, I mean, there's the poll out about the majority of the residents do not want Just came out this done. week about the monitors, so, right? So, you know, right. they're the people quietly in their houses. And we can, social media can reflect a different view, but real Richmond, you know, or the majority of the metropolitan area is entrenched in a certain way. Jordan, Chelsea, let me bring in and ask this because there is always, for me anyway, I'll, after I see one of these incidents, whether it's blackface and the way that people responded to it, whether it's something as simple as a headline on a business newspaper that says civilization comes to Jackson Ward, you know who you are. It was really upsetting. Um, but. Like, where, like, how do we get more civility, right? Because it's, I will say this, the one thing that is concerning to me in this sense is that it's not necessarily apples to apples, but it does come from a lot of sides, the lack of civility in social media and, you know, calling people out or doing things that are insensitive and then trying to get their group to back them and double down. How do we get... Do you think, let me ask this, do you think there's a problem with our civility in social media and how do we move towards a more civil discourse online? I think just like everything else, our civility is a reflection of us. Yeah. <laughs> and so to, we're humans and we are passionate about things and when we are triggered with headlines of that, so I guess my first question is, are we talking about civility in the way that people react to such things? Or are we just talking about civility in the initial put out of a, a really triggering headline? That to me was, you know, that everything after that, that's when people start coming and, oh, well, you are bullying or you are being, you know, you're not being civil to them, that kind of thing. Well, it's kind of open to, hearing what they have to say and that's what really it, it's really about so I don't I don't like to go say oh it's uncivil things like that because that starts to say oh well let's shut these voices up and that's what a lot of mm -hmm. people have then said oh well that's why we don't hear certain voices and that's again where we have the separation um, so yes it is a problem because we're not listening to each other but I think that the problem starts way sooner than the people that are being uncivil on social media 
So that's not where I would even want to put the problem statement. It's not how we're reacting on social media. It's what we're reacting to, mm. truly, which is a reflection of our own community. Jordan, what do, you, what do you, in regards to, look, I know you. You've been known, you've been known to get a little lady on social media every once in a while. How, like, where, that's a good point. It's like, where, what, what's the kind of best way to use our energy and platforms like that? Like, because you're right, and we don't want to silence voices in that sense, but, uh, like, at the same time, people are reacting to things, things get out of hand. And on social media quite a bit and then once it goes down that rabbit hole somebody is you know 15 16 comments down the line you're like how did we get here so is there a way that we even, or is it even worth trying to kind of manage those types of rabbit hole type situations i'm when the civilization issue that somebody brought up like came up i personally went into the i've gone into the shop and i looked around and kind of under saw they didn't have any direct in that saying but like i went and visited the shop and just didn't particularly talk to anybody in there about what was going on but you know caught the vibe and uh just kind of chilled and like when we had the video of jackson Ward that was released of you know the the you know the hip jackson Ward video with none of the basic, <laughs> businesses, basic businesses that are like you know the cornerstones of jackson Ward. And I, I went through and caught a vibe and so i mean I don't. I try not to react on the social media. I try to go to the space and catch the vibe, or if I can catch the person out, and not you know that can also be because nobody wants to feel like they're getting ran up on. But I mean, I think it's. I mean, on a computer, you can say whatever. You can be whatever. You have time to you know curate this intense message, and I mean, what about the realness when you step forward to that person's face, or you pick up the phone and you call them, and you have that raw, real life. Conversational. Yeah. Like, like, most yeah, people I, I are like that. Most yeah, people, I feel like most that's people are from, confrontational right. when, when you're in right. right. Yeah, yeah, right. But, but that's where you get the raw personality types to not be confrontational. That doesn't mean that their voice and their opinion doesn't matter. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't say you, just because you do it on here, why don't you do it in person? Because not everybody is an extrovert to come out and say that. You know what I also like all about all those comments about people going in on other people? Because if I'm sitting at home and I'm like, man, I really feel this way. And I look and like 2.5K other people also feel this way. You know what? I'm going to jump right (laughs) in here and my comment, no one's going to hear or see nothing. But it gets people to understand, holy crap. Not even just in Richmond, but other people think like me. And that gives me a voice to say, if they're doing that, I can do that in Richmond. Sure. So let those comments come. Show our numbers in any way we can. I, I will say this, because one of the things that's really interesting in regards to these types of situations, if anyone follows uh, uh, not just the Table podcast, but any of the other stuff that the Chief Move does on social media, in the last podcast, we did have a conversation with uh, Craig Dotson from the RCC, who was right in the middle of a social media uh, issue. And one of the things, uh, I say that lightly, it was kind of a social media, it was this whole viral uh, controversy over um, them taking RCC riders to Confederate monuments. And, and I won't go into that, listen to top billing. But what I will say is what Chelsea was saying, one of the interesting things that um, I saw and how things go viral on social media in Richmond is that probably for the first 20, 24 hours plus, Nothing. everything was extremely positive yeah. in regards to taking the taking the kids to the monuments, having them reflect their own views and so forth. And once it got more and more viral, then you started to hear other arguments like, not sure if this was the right thing to do, to the whole other extreme of, you know, you're, you've made a mistake, you've exploited these kids, and, and, you know, and it was interesting, not, like, I don't want to revisit the incident on this podcast, especially because we've already done it with Greg, go listen to Top Billing, but I will say, it was interesting to see, once the comments started reflecting different people's points of views, how that changed, 
and Shoot. how it really right right how it really shaped and also reflected yeah because some of those thoughts and comments that we see on all of these topics could be comments that my wife myself or I'm thinking that we haven't seen it yet well that once we speaks, see it that's then basic it networking it. theory so that's what Sarah was mm -hmm. speaking to it remained in a bubble for a little bit of time and then it just takes a while for the connections to make it further and further and further out as it gets amplified and um, as the further it goes out and the further it reaches, then the more viewpoints you're going to more feedback. There's like an adage, an old adage with uh, a visual artist. It's like once you're done, it's not yours anymore. You know, it's like, okay, I'm done with this beautiful painting. It's not mine anymore. Here's what I think it means. But if someone else goes to a museum and thinks something else, that's their prerogative. It's sort of like you're creating a monster if you poke the bear a little bit on social media knowing that a total stranger might call me a nasty name because I think such and such should happen in the monuments mm -hmm. uh, because once it's out there it's not mine anymore it's everybody's mm -hmm. uh, unless you have security settings or whatever but nine times out of ten it's just like okay here's what I think do what you will with the world. <laughs> Throw tomatoes at me if you want to. And let me tell you one thing about these security settings that you think you have. <laughs> if you put it out there, I don't care if you have 25 friends, someone's going to screenshot it, and yeah. it's going to be out publicly. So I, I do want to go back to you, Bo, and ask this, because you actually, I mean, you dabble quite a bit, not dabble, you're heavily involved in comedy. Yeah. And comedy is one of those things that is always not even on social media just in society where it's like i don't know if we've crossed the line for the sake of comedy versus not right uh -huh. how does someone like yourself balance that on social media because if it goes too far it can go left real fast that's true i suppose <laughs> i suppose though but here's what i mean yes you are you are talking about that but it's like i think with anything whether you're writing comedy or you're writing uh, anything, uh, you're never going to please everybody. So for me, if, I mean, I know where the line is, I think, I, I hope. Um, I try not to step over it too very often, but if I do, I want to be able to cover my ass and, and know why I did it. So I think I might be the wrong guy to ask because I'm overly cautious sometimes mm -hmm. about some of the things I just know like I said before once it's out there it can be interpreted any way somebody wants to interpret it so I think you know people people I'm, I'm gonna blow your mind here people like funny people like <laughs> the funny so there's a lot of stuff that is designed to be funny on social media whether or not it is is another discussion but um, all this viral content is supposed to be goofy and funny and shareable and 99 times out of 100 I think it doesn't cross the line but when it does you might be throwing gasoline on a fire that you didn't even know mm -hmm. existed. But at that point like you said it's not yours. It's not yours anymore. It's out there. Yeah. yeah. Robin let me ask you this because we talked a little bit about the divisions in Richmond right whether it's haves and have nots whether it's uh, racial gender whatever let's look at the, the flip side of social media and let me ask this. Do you think through us being more connected than we've ever been before, through social media channels and others, do we think we can use things like social media to bridge the gap between like the two, three, four different Richmonds that are out there? I think so. I think you are seeing, and I dabble in both worlds, for example, business guests or establishment guests that I have on the show, they say, I follow you on Twitter. And I'm like, well, I don't see your handle on it. I'm a private protected account. I like to watch. <laughs> so creepy. Um, I'm an egg. Creepy. I'm an egg avatar. <laughs> creepy. It, it is that world, and they'll tell you'll tell you, for example, in private, with a person who's you know great friend, great supporter, um, says something that really had me galled. It's like, why is everybody even bringing up the monuments when we should be talking about schools first? Why is it an A or B thing? And I don't mean to dwell on monuments, mm -hmm. right? Um, I, I had Tressy. I had Tre Professor Tressy on the show uh, several months ago. It was the only time like I became like close to crying on the show because she put it ever so eloquently without ums or ahs or parenthetical asides or anything. It's like she 
reduced it down to what's your skin in the game if you are a person of not of color in Richmond and you see those monuments. It's not my problem. Is it somebody else's problem? And uh, I, I see that, that when there are examples, for example, of empathy, one that was a, a, a huge you know, mind-melding, mind-changing thing for me was I came here with a premature son, very terrified of the preschool experience, and the one teacher who has done maybe more than any, anything else to help that child is African-American, several generations, Central Virginia, on show-and-tell night when the kids were allowed to come in their pajamas and share what was special with them, she brought a book documenting the ownership of her great-great-grandma. And I'm looking around this room and saying, this is a descendant of slaves in Richmond on a preschool, a Jewish preschool on Monument Avenue, where there's where we are we are genuflecting before you know Confederate generals and the president of the Confederacy. Like I don't get that. And she's never once said anything about those monuments to me, except when I pull her aside, and she just doesn't look up. So what's the skin in the game? This person is like family to me, and I'm I'm so sad that she has to avoid this route. And I try to put it in terms for Jewish friends and relatives. Could you imagine if you are in a, a city in Europe and they have uh, monuments up to, let's not call them the war criminals necessarily, the German war criminals, but German war, you know, war heroes, the people who went off to Africa and the, the famous fighter pilots, not the heads of the concentration camp. Can you compartmentalize that, oh, these were not the people behind the atrocities. They were, you know, the way we bifurcated here, this is, this is about valor. And this is about tradition, and this is about honor. It wasn't about the, the you know, if I want to take you into detail in the docks of Manchester and people being split apart, or the Middle Passage and all these things. Anyway, to bring it back, I think, as even if it sounds cliche, it's about skin in the game. And if social media, if people are peeking in there and seeing that this is not just a forum for vitriol, that it's actually a place where people are vulnerable and hurt and share... You know, I've, I've seen, like you've seen the Humans of New York essays. You also see some people post unbelievably touching things. Forget about the security setting on Facebook. Yeah. That why does a person just get up and stand on a soapbox and admits that? There's this urge to make yourself vulnerable because you want the support of other people. You want, you want a backstop. I came here to not be lonely. And social media can be a very lonely thing. It can, you know, if you sit there watching and everybody's lives are great, but I've also used it in a way to reach out to people like-minded and people not like-minded me and meet them in person and try to try to transcend the different barriers. Again, we're here. We're not in the Commonwealth Club. Mm -hmm. We're a whole different That's conversation. Right. Yeah. It's happening simultaneous <laughs> to this. And if, for example, if you ever walk in, if you ever get invited to dinner there, the help is African-American. They don't make eye contact. It's a relic. It's a throwback. Nobody here says anything because <coughs> we're in our own world. And, you know, we... we I think that things change, the tectonics of Richmond change when we get those two worlds together and we can sit on the vitriol for a little bit. One of the things I think is actually amazing, and Jordan, you're heavily in Jackson Ward, and uh, Anthony, you have your shop in Jackson Ward. One of the things that I think is actually amazing, when we all, we talk about kind of the, the, the inequities of Richmond or the gaps in Richmond, is that even what Robin's saying is, a lot of the Fortune 500 CEOs or whatever aren't all on social media or they're just watching. A lot of the community, the historic community of Jackson Ward, if you will, uh, aren't on social media in that way. They're not on in a way that is in the debate of advocacy, right? So there's just this kind of middle ground, right? Of uh, I would actually say almost kind of like Anthony was saying, kind of like this new wave of merging advocates that have voices that may advocate for a community garden Jackson Ward or may highlight a new business but one of the challenges um, is that a lot of the people that's voices you need to hear whether it's on social media or in any platform because it's just a way to get your voice out aren't there right like they're just not there how, how does someone in Jackson Ward go about highlighting those voices that aren't there or even the historical nature of Jackson Ward when we're hearing about this in the new emerging Richmond, and, and we're a part, I'm a part of it. I'm a part of what's happening on social media highlighting this, but how do we go about remembering a historic Churchill 
a historic Jackson Ward? And can we use social media to bridge some of this gap? I think we can definitely bridge it. I think it is definitely a puzzle that um, I think all of this is connecting. All of your questions are connecting to one another. Like, I think it's this big puzzle. Like, social media is a great tool to have and to bridge us, but then we have to start using going into places and talking to people and kind of connecting the dots with one another. I think that's why when we talk about like we're trying to be everywhere, um, I think that's the whole idea of of the game, if, if for lack of a better term. I, it just can't be just social media. Um, I'm 41 and I've, I've been a hip hopper for a long time and the way that hip hop used to operate has taught me a lot and I still utilize a lot of those tools now um, to kind of move within Richmond to try to find these upper people. I had to do a lot of that with, uh, with working at um, with working at the Robinson Theater. It's like, okay, I've got these people's attention on social media, this certain person on, on social media. So let me start talking to this person. Let me try to uh, invite this person to a function that we're having. So then I can talk to this person and try to make my way to this other person that I simply can't find on social media. So I think it's this big puzzle that we're trying to put together. Um, and that's just one of your, social media is just one of your um, larger puzzle pieces. Matt, I just quickly share yeah, something. Yeah, jump in. A parenthetical aside I didn't share, and I can't believe like it wasn't top of mind, was um, do you remember when this debate about the stadium in Shaco Bottom was all the talk of the town? Sure. And even during the you know the Mayor Jones administration, there were closed door meetings. There was like a you know holy alliance of society corporations. I won't talk about the organizations down now that were hell bent on that stadium. Mm -hmm. Do you remember what single handedly killed it? Single handedly, no. Was it a tweet or an Instagram post by Nupita Leonga? Ah, saying I'm speaking on behalf of the. I would say it's a little bit before that. Like, I mean, as soon as they... I, I that was the tipping point, but someone throws... That may have been the final nail. That was the final nail. I think that was part of the nail. If you remember, the responses from, from City Hall and everything were very mealy-mouthed after that. And that shows you, you know, something that was... But that's also right about the time everybody started, like, live tweeting Richmond City Council meetings. Mm. And yeah. you would, like, go to a bar, and everybody would, like... But did that show you? That's got to be a metaphor for something. Yeah. That someone exogenous, almost speaking on behalf of a ghost, the family of Solomon Northup, who's, you know, plaque, there's a, he talks about Goodin Slave Jail and 12 Years a Slave. Goodwin Slave Jail. And, and the, the person that would not have had a spokesperson got a spokesperson in terms of an Oscar-winning celebrity throwing a shot across the bow on social media. And I think that that, I just had to, I just had yeah, to yeah, no, I, that I, I definitely think that's that. That's got to tell you something. I think we're going to see more um, kind of organize, organizing. I think we're going to see more mm -hmm. advocacy on social media. Um, but it actually, I mean, let's just face it. Those things can be used for good and for bad. There's yeah. definitely a pendulum. So in Charlottesville, how do you think they organized so many right. neo-Nazi groups to come to Charlottesville? Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And it yeah, was right. all on social media, right? And they knew it, and then they kind of was able to, they knew where to link up beforehand. There were, and, and also, they were able to counter-protest, I understand that. But there is such a wild, wild west feel when we talk about, um, you know, what's happening on social media, what's happening on the internet. Um, and the way it actually is playing a part in our in our Richmond today, I think what Anthony was saying is quite on point because I never felt like digital was the thing, right? Mm -hmm. Like it always has to be, it, it has to be a tool, but it can't be like the thing. Right. It's starting to change. Some of it is just the thing. Right. But I always thought it was a tool to rally, organize, communicate, connect, you know what I mean? And we see that more than anywhere else in business. I do want to shift um, quite just shift a year before and talk about how in Richmond and I can I can use Anthony as an example and I told him to bring this up. <laughs> but you're a, you're a new business owner, a new entrepreneur. You have a shop here in Richmond. You had one guest walk in who just oh. happens to be of the first family of hip hop. Bam. So Solange Knowles walks in your shop. She certainly did. What what was it about? 
Like, how did... Tell us everything. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I remember that. One of the things uh, is just... One of the things is... 87 degrees. Yeah. <laughs> the presence of mind. Like, you, everybody can see somebody and say, oh, can I get a picture with you? But the presence of mind... Sure, sure. To put that on Instagram and be like... That doesn't take any presence of mind. I, 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 I thought... I thought... It, well, maybe it's you just... 2017, you, man. You told me. Maybe you thought it was just fun, but I really thought it was a business move. I thought well, it was like, smart. It, it's, re- it's really interesting the way <laughs> that whole situation unfolded. Um, because we did... To go back to the, the hip-hop roots a little bit, I've been around people that... I personally adore, think a lot of. I had a radio show on University of Richmond for about seven years um, and saw a lot of individual hip hoppers that I'm like, ooh, wow. So I understood that, like, how I had to maintain myself. I had been taught that back then. Um, so so when, you were just fronting, right? You were trying to compose yourself. Yeah, it's together. But like, it sounds like you could act like you've been there before. Right. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. exactly. I like that phrase. Act like you've been there before. Yeah, been there before. So sorry. I hope I don't offend anyone. I did not particularly know who she was when she came. Whoa! Terribly sorry. I was in it. I was doing my thing, and I looked up, and I was like, oh. That woman's very beautiful. She looks kind of out of place. Anyway, and kept doing my thing, and she comes in, um, and there's another gentleman that runs in the store. And I'm like, hey, man. <laughs> what's up? And he's like, hey, uh, what's your name? And she's like, well, what's your name? And I was like, in that moment, I was like, oh, damn. That's Solange in my store right now. <laughs> so that dude gave me the opportunity to kind of like calm get myself down, get oh, myself together. They took their selfie, whatever, um, and he left. Um, and Solange and her family friend um, hung out in the store. We talked for like 40, 45 minutes. And it was very honest conversation. It was a very, very cool conversation. Um, and she bought a ton of stuff. Um, For the twins, not to, we don't know. Yeah, we, don't we don't know. know. Right, right. We don't know. Um, she bought a ton of stuff, but that was the thing. I was like, I don't want to, like, I don't want. My first thought was like, I don't want to use. Solange, mm. you know, I don't want to use Solange for this. Like, that's my homie now. Like, we're cool. Uh, like, and so when she was finally leaving, Solange was like, well, if you think it'll help, we can take a couple of pictures. And I was like, oh, okay. All right, cool. Yeah, let's do I mean, maybe. So I, wasn't even, like, I wasn't even thinking on that, on that landscape of, like, using this for a PR moment. So luckily, Honestly, she, she had the wherewithal. Well, she probably only offered because you hadn't asked. Well, that's the thing. Oh. And, and the, I think the fact that not really, you know, being that geeked out kind of helped me. Um, so we took those pictures. She took a picture of me in front of the store with her phone. Um, and so I have a good buddy. Um, my phone started ringing the next day. I was like, I've been open four days at that point. Uh, I was like, who is calling me at the store right now? And so then the CBSs and the NBCs and um, all of them, they started calling. And, and I had to call people back. And I called my buddy who owns a couple of restaurants. And I was like, he's had famous people come in his spot before. I was like, how do I play this? Like, what's, what do I do? Like, this is, this is very new. Like I want to, you know, respect Solange, whatever. Um, and just kind of be, I'm old school in the fact that, you know, I want people to like little nomad on the merit of the (laughs) product and the way it looks and, you know, my retail acumen. Um, so he's like, man, go ahead and use it. Do you want to do it? Do you want to do? Um, and so I, that's what I did. So, of course, I had to put the one on my page. Like, took a picture with Solange, so I had to put it on my page. I'd like to say for the record that I was at your store the day before. Yes. <laughs> yes. When the photo came, I said, I missed her by a day. By a day. I could yeah. have been there. Yeah. Uh, 
But I, I think the cool, the, the interesting part about this is because I want to bring it back to the power of social media mm-hmm. and the power of social media, even like as we apply it to a Richmond shop. Mm-hmm. Like after that came out, like what happened? Like how did that go from four days open? It's to, it's really interesting because it seemed like. It legitimized my shop all of a sudden, my idea all of a sudden, just because one person had walked in, like other people that I had like reached out to. Um, I had to run an Indiegogo um, to get uh, a large majority of the funding um, to start the store. And it seemed like people that I reached out to that I didn't hear anything back and, and just other people that I hadn't heard from. You know, or starting to text and starting to call and starting to come in. And it's a beautiful thing, but it was like, wow, okay, it's like over one person can make your whole situation legit, you know. Jordan, let me ask you this, too, because this this happens all the time. Is social media makes celebrity. You don't necessarily have to have talent. You don't necessarily have to have skill or great athleticism or, you know, great education, right? But it makes celebrity, and it seems as if our society now graduate, gravitates to celebrity. And so, how like how does that apply? Like, I, I want to frame the question in the right way because there's no way I can frame it that doesn't sound negative to the people that do. This. Like, like we've seen, for example, Kylie Jenner is one of the more famous people in the nation, right? At 20 years old. For doing what exactly? So, how do we like in this culture? Because social media built this. This really, mm-hmm. maybe some television, but really social media built built this. How do we like? Is that something that's just going to be the wave that's going to continue, or is there a way that we can actually kind of change that tide of just celebrity being nothing? In regards to making money, no. I mean, you make, it's not about, it's about the celebrity, but these people aren't just, they're making money off of, you know, there's a million YouTube videos on, you know, you know, the price of having this amazing YouTube channel or them saying how much I make. I mean, it's all, it's all money. So I, I mean, if you could take your time of just clicking through Facebook and make a dime off of it, then for a lot of people that's worth it and you know some of us don't have the same amount of time for that but until, <laughs> until the money is take i mean until you can't make, sure. if you can make money off of it then no that's that's your high goal i mean and i what he was saying about you know the social media or that celebrity legitimizing you know what you're doing was really strong because when i even when i did the garden like it was nothing until these news this is a community garden the community garden a couple yeah. of news Places came and were like, oh, we really love this. We want to shoot it. And then people started reaching out. We had mm-hmm. a guy overnight, like, drop $800, you know, into it. And then it was like, people were like, oh, I'm so interested. And it was like, all these years before I had been pushing and trying to get it. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, one news thing, you know, which was my celebrity for it, pushed it. And it, like, you love it, but it's also like, damn, like, you didn't, <laughs> you didn't have me. Like, Where were like, you? It wasn't a bad idea then. Yeah. I say it's kind of like sipping from a fire hydrant, though. If you think about Snapchat, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, right? I mean, there's just so much stuff out there, and how much curation can you possibly have? And everybody has a podcast. So to the extent that someone like a Kylie Jenner or somebody comes out and calls you out, I mean, it is demoralizing, but it's uplifting at the same time. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah, because there's something, because now people are talking about it. That's the curse. That's the whole thing. Exactly. It's just a new media company. I think we're neglecting one elephant in the room when it comes to social media, in that. um, So, we're talking, so we talked a little bit about the election last year. Um, uh, Our president really likes social media a lot, loves it, loves it. And he's so bad at it, but he's. You want to talk about this? Kind of ties into almost everything we've talked about. I've been trying to find a way to ease this in, even though I don't want to give him the credit. Uh, You know, we talk about having an echo chamber, listening to what you want to listen to. Lord knows, from what I've read about the man, he does that. Mm -hmm. Uh, You talk about you know starting. You talk about civility. On social media, is it making us more or less civil? Well, if, this week alone, I mean, I mean, firing off at the mayor of San Juan yeah. in the middle of a crisis. Yeah, uh, they're in grades, Mark. They're all in grades. 
just so like I just I don't, I don't really have a larger point. It's just like we're talking about <laughs> no, civility, and we're talking about it being an echo chamber. We're talking about whether or not it's good or bad for community. Sure. Uh, I think I think I, I hope I'm wrong about this, but I think it would be a very fascinating case study in a generation to see kind of where where discourse goes from here based on uh, the person that uh, is that he, Here's the thing. I think that this is a whole new level when you talk about social media and Twitter and the way that this current president uses Twitter directly to communicate with whoever he's communicating with. Because it seems literally like he's just throwing it out there in the air. It's like he's not even talking to anyone. He's just he's throwing, just throwing it out. water the wall and seeing But I, will, mm-hmm. I really believe that it was the Obama administration kind of use of social media and connectivity and then honestly people's reactions to the Obama administration President Obama and that is where you started to see such gaps and divide in regards to trying to like we were talking about that echo chamber like it was the Obama administration that really I mean I don't know how many people were unfriended during 2008 <laughs> and the re-election because I was, at that point I was like I, you, you're not going to talk about Michelle it's just not going to happen right, right. And that not on my feed right like that is not <laughs> that is not going down yeah and so but I do think that it, it is fascinating to me that we can try to have all these conversations and one of the reasons I, I honestly try to bring it as local as possible because I don't know how you combat that yeah. national yeah. And I do think it's a lack of civility in the way he uses, the way the president currently uses Twitter. Um, I'm amazed. I'm amazed that Twitter hasn't figured out a way to make money off of this. Like, yeah. Twitter is still... Well, but they have. Yeah. They're, they're, still, they're still struggling they, quite a bit. Well, but they haven't gone under. No, right, right, right. And, you know... They at made the, a lot of money on the IPO. They're just eating on that. Yeah. The, the, at the time, like right before that time period, they were really, really struggling. And his addition of people who follow him and are his community gave them the boost that they needed to at least keep going. So, popularize the platform again when it was not, it was in the basement. So that's a good point. And, and, and when we, as we're wrapping this up and in closing, um, I do want to ask, and I want to bring it back to uh, kind of our Richmond and our region, uh, because as kind of our current mayor and current city council and current school board, while they're not as prolific as the president of the United States communicating on Twitter or Facebook or any social media, we did see last week kind of a Respect Richmond digital ad campaign launch, mm-hmm. um, a way for Richmond region to combat uh, gun violence. Um, obviously, it's a digital ad campaign, so I mean, I think it was already likened to a Just Say No campaign, which may you know, not actually bear results that we're, we're saying. We're not sure. We got to give it. We got to give yeah. these things a, a shot. But one of the things I, I bring that because I'll, I'll have a kind of a brief side note in the sense that I saw an interview with uh, I'm going to say it wrong, but Neil deGrasse Tyson. Mm-hmm. Did I say it? Mm-hmm. He was talking about all the natural disasters we've had, um, and while everybody's natural instinct is, oh, huge hurricane coming, we got to get out of town. He was like, where are the scientists or people that say, oh, huge hurricane coming. How can we use this energy to kind of capture and train, transform this energy to power our, you know, in, like our tunnels? Or like, how do we flip the script on these? Like, we know a huge storm is coming and the winds are going to be. How do we capture that and use that as a way to actually solve the problem as opposed to just running? Right. And so. That's kind of where I'll, I'll leave it and asking Robin and whoever wants to jump in. How do we use this current present time where as many people than ever is connected or have the ability to be connected with each other? How can we use the energy that's on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and so forth to actually make a better Richmond? How do we do that? At the, at the fear of repeating myself, try to make these digital interactions only human one-to-one interactions, get out of your comfort zone, right? If I imagine that that case of the guy, you know, Libyan Grove with the shop who told people to get out of the country after the election. If somebody had showed up at his shop, I don't know if an 
African American person has ever walked into Peter Blair. I don't know if it's, it's been done. Honestly, <laughs> it's a place where you pop up collars and you buy you know linen shorts and everything. But I actually walked in there and said, you know, I was really hurt by what you said. Whereas if you looked at his feed, it was all of his people on the West End saying, you know, you tell them, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm a big advocate of reaching out and parlaying these connections. It's very easy to follow someone, very easy to connect with someone on LinkedIn, follow them on Instagram, follow up, meet them in person, um, share things that aren't going to be broadcast to the world, like retweet, you know, fave, private settings, public settings, and you'd be surprised at all the things you have in common. And we're afraid of doing it because the, the interaction is so cheap, it's so easy. You can do it from your house, you see 2,500K likes, you know, in a second and everything. I want to push people past their comfort and discomfort zones. Well, I think, too, it's a place, like, if you see conversations going on that you realize you don't know much about, that may be out of your comfort zone, um, then you, you know, in a different way, then you go read. read. Like, you say, okay, I know nothing about that narrative because it's not my narrative. So maybe I better read some books. Uh, maybe I better go back and see who is the powerful voice on this because it's not mine. Yeah, but also I've heard, I've heard stuff, I'm sorry, on your, on your podcast that I wish could have been transcribed and submitted to the Richmond Times-Dispatch. Do I care what's in the Richmond Times-Dispatch? Do I read it? Past the restaurant stuff? Not really. But you know that a certain establishment element does read it. It's the kind of legacy contingent, 60, 60 plus. Offer it up over there. I mean, and then <laughs> I wonder why more people don't do that. I just really want to say that social media, especially in Richmond, to me, had such a, a positive outlook. Honestly, I went and kind of decided to change my life two years ago. And I have not been able, I would not have been able to do that without social media. I would not be at this table knowing cheats without social media. I wouldn't know most people because it gives me access, just like I keep mentioning all these voices we don't hear. So yeah, it does bring a lot of ignorance and ridiculousness. It gives them a way to go bad, but it also gives a way for people that wouldn't normally have uh, access to talk, to reach out, to make a connection of a connection of a connection, to do that. So it's really giving people more confidence to step out their their comfort zone because I hear what you're saying, Robin, but I just think about people that are really living in Jackson Ward yeah. and you know what they're not, not comfortable doing? Taking whatever clothes they have in their closet, walking out and meeting you for a coffee that they might not even be able to afford. Mm -hmm. So to even say and challenge people, we have to come down to where they are and realize it is awesome to be on social media. It is awesome to get your voice out there. It's also great to use it to shape and learn what Judy was talking about. So if anyone is interested, we now have the access to learn more about it. Sure. And we can get it from having conversations like this instead of just Googling an article about it. You can hear real stories. And it, and it, goes, it cuts both ways. I think what Anthony was alluding to as well, I have approached people that I'm, because I've seen them, and I know I've had it to me because I've seen them on social media, or I've seen their Instagram feed, I've seen their work or whatever they're promoting, I've seen their business. It was easier for me to say, Hey man, I, I I've seen your work. I really like what you're doing because I saw their IG page. I'm a big and fan of your comedy. Yeah, yeah, and so and, and it's happened, and vice versa. I've had people that have said they've seen whatever you know that's happened on social media. I love that you're practicing yoga. That's what I'm seeing on your Instagram yeah. feed lately. Yeah. Yeah. I did not realize you're a yogi. Yeah. So I I'd like to kind of chime in. I think. Remember when online dating was new? Mm -hmm. oh, 15 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And then there were a whole crowd of people like you cannot date, marry, and do anything online. But like look at our society now, right? Sure. Yeah. So my my story always has been it's just a tool to meet people. You don't get married online. You actually go on a date and sit down with this person, have coffee, have conversation, you go from there. So it's just a tool. You are the decision maker, right? So you still have to make the human connection and then where all your judgment and your knowledge gets to play and then you make your best call and you go from there. Not to say all online dating. Best <laughs> <laughs> judgment. I was, was going to say that is the absolute, absolute perfect way to close this up because tomorrow, 
tomorrow I celebrate my four-year wedding anniversary. Congratulations. And I met my wife online. Who would have known? On Match.com. On Match.com. I, I, we could be one of the commercials. Kenyon would be running around. This will be. With that said, we've got to thank Health Warrior for their wonderful hospitality and hosting. Thank you, Health Warrior. Exactly. Uh, being a sponsor of the Table Podcast. A super food. I need to thank Bo, Sarah, Judy, Anthony, Chelsea, Jordan, and Robin for all being a part of this discussion. Thank you so much. Uh, and we're going to wrap this up. My name is Cheats. We see it.